This episode brought to you by Manscaped. Use code REVISITED for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. Oh, yeah, you know... You know, someday they're going to dig up the back of that yard and they're going to find the rest of that skeleton to go with that femur. Oh, it might not be Walter, but it's going to be some poor Shut tortured... Up. Shut up, Art! Shut up! God, you don't know when to quit, do you? Look at me! I'm a shell of a man because of you, Art. You leave! Now, now, now! I'm soldier! You leave him alone! Get off that case already! They didn't do anything to us! They didn't do anything to us! All right, so they're different. So they keep to themselves. Can you blame them? They live next door to people who break into their house and burn it down while they're gone for the day. Remember what you were saying about people in the burbs, Art? People like Skip? People who mow their lawn for the 800th time and then snap? Well, that's us. It's not them. That's us. We're the ones who are vaulting over the fences and peeking in through people's windows. We're the ones who are throwing garbage in the street and lighting fires. We're the ones who are acting suspicious and paranoid. We're the lunatics. Us. It's not them. It's us. It's us. All of our listeners are crazy. Just like us and Tom Hanks in the oft-requested cult classic, The Burbs, right here. Finishing off our beautiful, reverent coverage of Thanksgiving for this month of November. Thanks to our Canadian vet friend, Ryan. Here on 80s Visited with me, your host, the Hanksiest guy you know, other than Tom Hanks or Chet or his other son or anybody else with the last name Hanks, Trey Harris. And with me as always, the um, the uh, gump to my forest, the captain to my Phillips, the private Ryan to my saving... Producer extraordinaire, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And that's right. It's time to fill up on turkey, catch the morning paper, throw our coffee at the paper boy, say a good morning to Corey Feldman, and talk about the burbs. <laughs> now, the burbs, uh, this is a this is an at bonafide cult classic, and we'll get into it. Uh, so it's 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 this is a movie like you kind of judge people's um it's a good uh, barometer. For what kind of movies people like. If you meet somebody new and for some reason the burbs comes up like, oh, I love that movie. This is a person you want to talk to. They got good taste in movies, <laughs> basically. Uh, but anyway, let's get on with it. Uh, who, what, when, where. Uh, the burbs released February 17th, 1989. Uh, in the last year of our podcast coverage, uh, IMDb gives it a 6.8. Rotten Tomatoes, 53% critics. 71% audience. Big, big jump there. And obviously representative, uh, representative of uh, you know, the, the eventual cult status that this film has or gained and has and continues to have to this day. Uh it uh how to get the budget. I didn't uh skip writing the budget down. Uh but it opened at eleven point one, which was good enough to be number one for the week, because that was the power in 1989 of the Hanks. Uh, would go on. Uh, let's see. Number uh, it was uh, budget was eighteen, eighteen million dollar budget. Yep. Made over half of it back in its opening weekend for number one. Like I said, number two was Rain Man. Number three was Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Number four was Three Fugitives. And rounding out the top five for the weekend of 
February 17th, President's Day weekend uh, of 1989, was The Fly Part 2. Uh, domestically, the Burbs would go on to gross $36 million, which so it's, it was a hit. It made its money back. Uh, worldwide, it got another uh, $13 million, bringing its worldwide gross to $49 million. Pretty much the amount of money that a Tom Hanks movie typically makes its opening weekend these days, uh, the Burbs made in its uh, worldwide, the entire theatrical run. Uh, unfortunately, again, it's so hard to find reliable information on rental sales, although if somebody had could figure out how to get that information and put it out there on the internet, it would be amazing. Uh, this was directed by a veteran of the podcast and a very talented director, in my opinion, Joe Dante. Uh, he did Gremlins 1 and 2, uh, Piranha, Inner Space. Uh, very, he, has a, he has a great comedic style in everything he does, I think, personally. That's one of the reasons I really like him. He's a good tone. He's, a, he's got a good, a good eye and a good sense of uh, pacing in terms of the camera and the angles. And then he just does absolutely off the wall stuff randomly <laughs> in a scene like when they scream in this movie about the femur and just does the, the zoom in and out while they're screaming. It's one of the funniest things, funniest parts of this movie. <laughs> uh, written by Dana Olson. That is a gentleman. Uh, he also wrote the John Carpenter 92 classic with a question mark. Memoirs of an Invisible Man starring Chevy Chase. And I think Daryl Hannah was the I was opposite him in that. Uh, also, he wrote George of the Jungle, one of Brendan Fraser's better films, in my opinion. And because George of the Jungle was a hit, they also thought, hey, Dana, you should write Inspector Gadget. And he wrote that one, too. Mm. With Matthew. Mm. Yes, Matthew Broderick uh, killed a person in a car. Or I totally blew that joke. Starring Matthew. Yes, he <laughs> killed a person in a car. Broderick. Uh, anyway, cinematography by Robert M. Stevens. Uh, he's did all three Naked Gun films and the Kathleen Turner serial mom. Have you seen that one? That's an underrated uh I'd say all, or underspoken about, uh, not going to say classic, but definitely a fun film. Uh, music by the late, great Jerry Goldsmith. Of course, he did The Omen. We always like to talk about The Omen on here when we mention <laughs> Jerry Goldsmith because of Santos Dominos. Uh, and he did uh, a lot of Star Trek. So Jerry Goldsmith, one of the great, you know, huge, huge body of work. Uh, if you had to make a top 10 list of composers of all time, he would be on it for sure. Uh, maybe even top five. I. Maybe not in my top five, but I mean, he's very, very well-known, very highly regarded as a composer. And of course, starring the man of the month, Mr. Thomas Hanks as Ray. Of course, uh, Philadelphia, Punchline, and Captain Phillips. I did three of his films with a P in there for the alliteration. Uh, Carrie Fisher, the late, great Carrie Fisher as his wife, Carol. Of course, Princess Leia. And uh, the only other movie I really... I, when I think of Carrie Fisher, obviously Star Wars. But then the, ne the next film that always comes to mind for me, probably you too, Jesse, is... Of course, the classic, the Blues Brothers. And uh, mm -hmm. Bruce Dern is Mark, my Start favorite. with a rocket launcher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's, she's, so, she's gorgeous in that movie, too. That, like, I mean, she's, yeah. I thought she was pretty, but in Blues Brothers, she was gorgeous. Like, I, I, I didn't have a crush on Princess Leia until Jedi. But like, in terms of Carrie Fisher, I kind of fell in love with her. I had a crush on her after <laughs> watching the Blues Brothers. Uh, but anyway, uh, Bruce Dern, my hero of the film, my favorite character in the film is Mark. Uh, of course, Hateful Eight. Uh, Fantastic performance in Hateful Eight. Uh, Silent Running, uh, old 70s film that's uh, often highly regarded. <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, <laughs> I did it again. See, it's on the head. Uh, <laughs> ah, I can't stop. I can't stop saying, uh. <clears throat> see, it, it, that's just the way it works. Ooh. Power of suggestion. It is. Power of suggestion. <laughs> so, Silent Running, very famous <laughs> Science fiction film from the late 70s. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. It's, it's, it's one you, you, 
I'm not going to watch it again, but it's worth watching. In fact, it's one of those that if they were doing a remake, I would sure I would like absolutely. I think that's one you could remake today. Uh, good story, but the end is I just watch it. You haven't seen. I want to spoil it. But also Bruce Dern is, of course, Laura's dad. Uh, Lord Dern, of course, uh, Jurassic Park, Twin, Pe- uh, Twin Peaks, The Return, at least. And uh, numerous other uh, David Lynch movies as well. So, uh, <laughs> I think she was, she was in Blue Velvet, too, wasn't she? Tons of stuff. Last Jedi. Uh, Rick the Cummin was art. Uh, I remember him from, I did it again. Now I'm so aware of it. Uh, take a shot every time I say, uh, from now on, let's see if you get drunk before the, in the next five minutes or by the end of the podcast, let us know. Asiavisit at gmail.com. But Rick the Cummin was uh, the, uh, chauffeur in the Disney film blank check. And I remember him from that because he had the, his line, famous line in the film was, Hey Preston, you know what you got? S T Y L E style. Yes, I've seen Blank Check <laughs> way too many times. Yeah. Ooh, that must have hurt. But uh, mainly because Karen Duffy was in it, even though she kisses a minor in a sexual way, which is inappropriate. But also the late, great Miguel Ferrer is the villain. Me, I'm Macintosh. Uh, always like to see Miguel Ferrer pop up and stuff. Uh, and then he was also in Scary Movie, Groundhog Day. He died in 2015. Uh, but he's, he was a character actor his whole career. Always, uh, you know, you've seen him in stuff. He's one, he's one of those guys, one of those faces. Uh, Henry Gibson was Dr. Klopek. Speaking of the Blues Brothers, there's your head Nazi from the Blues Brothers. He was also in Inner Space with, you know, with Joe Dante. Joe Dante liked to use him. He was also in Magnolia. And most people, at least in our age group, would most know him from or not be or would recognize or, ha- or the film they would probably have seen him. Most people have seen him in. He was the voice of Wilbur the Pig in Charlotte's Web. Uh, Courtney Gaines, not uh, to be confused with Chris Gaines, the alter ego of Garth Brooks, was Hans. Of course, Children of the Corn, Back to the Future, and uh, most notably for us, Jesse, he was Roach in the ski episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. But also, he's also <laughs> yeah. a uh, big character actor. He's been in a ton of stuff. Uh, you've seen him, but, but he's really, he doesn't have one of those faces to me that like, oh, I immediately recognize him. Uh, but he's been in a ton of stuff. Uh, Darla was Queenie. That's the dog in the movie, Walter's dog. Uh, but ah, ah, I'm so conscious of it now. Curse this, this, those two letters. Uh, any, anyway, she was inside. She was the dog from Silence of the Lambs. The same dog in this film. And we had the cameo of both Dick Miller, who was pretty much in every Joe Dante movie. He was in Gremlins, both Gremlins. A uh, ton of stuff. Uh, Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. He's the one that has the vision of all the uh, the uh, strippers. Then one of the best scenes of the movie. Wink, mm-hmm. wink. And uh, Robert Picardo, the doctor from Star Trek, the holographic doctor, I should say. Yeah. And also the uh, he was the cowboy from Inner Space. Uh, so uh, two great cameos there. And last, but not, but certainly never on this podcast least, Corey Feldman as Ricky, Lost Boys, Goonies, Friday the Thirteenth Part Four. Singer of one of the greatest songs ever written, Ascension Millennium. I always like to get props. Have you heard from him recently? Yes. Our good friend Jonathan Foreman of the uh, Cajun Toy Review sent me a, or tagged me in a link from one of his new videos. And it's exactly what you'd expect. <laughs> Have you seen someone filmed him playing at a local state fair to about 20 people? Oh, I haven't seen that. At, oh, I'm going to have to post the link to that. But anyway... He's performing as if he's in front of an arena. 
So I applaud him for that. Because he is yeah. going all out on yes. that tiny stage. Now, so, <laughs> so you can you can say whatever you want to say about his music and what you think about it. You know, that's fine. That's your opinion. But that's a performer. Because you when you're an right. entertainer, no matter if they're that's I've heard that in so, from so many people in the entertainment industry. It doesn't matter if there's five people in the room or five thousand. You do you put on a show. So hats off. Hey, that's the failed man. Got to give it up to the film. But yeah, The Burbs. Now, this is a film that always comes up, like, usually, like, in terms of, um... God! <laughs> 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 I need a shot collar. That's how we have to stop saying, uh. <laughs> but, um... Uh, so I've looked up ways to stop saying, uh, and, like, some people say you need to record yourself, which we're doing. Uh, like that. <laughs> <laughs> says do your homework. I don't know what that means, but I'm one of them is school. have a counter, have a have an uh counter, I guess, like a little clicker. Mm-hmm. We well, can't do that. We're recording ourselves. Yeah, so our ears, so, ding, I don't know. ding, like the uh, ding, ding, uh, see, click, it, it, click, click. It's just on the brain. It's on the brain. Some for some reason, it is. <laughs> it's become a thing. It's just you know, <laughs> the holidays are coming up. The burbs. The burbs. Try to fit an uh in there. I can't 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 do it there. But if you have any tips at home, how to please combat that? Yeah, let us know. Let at, us know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a whole big now thing now. It's a whole big thing time. now. Oh dear. But anyway, uh, now the burbs. Now Jesse, I'm assuming you've seen this. Most people I know in our circle at least have seen it. Now their degree of liking it is what varies, but most people our age group at least have seen it or remember it or know of it. But you have seen yeah. it, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. So good. Now, as far as your memory goes, I mean, do you, is, it, is it one of these that you remember a lot or like, oh, I remember this part or yeah, I liked it as a kid or any familiarity with it or is it just kind of like one of those movies where you're just if aware of it? If I saw a it? scene from it, if I saw any sort of scene from it, I would know exactly what movie it's from. So I would say I recognize it I don't know if I could quote it. Mm-hmm. That Same. would be a thing. Yeah. But, but of course, yeah, yeah. Totally recognize it. But it seems to me, it's like kind of where I, what I was talking about last week with Dragnet was that I saw Dragnet as a kid. I saw the Burbs as a kid, rented it. Didn't quite get it as a kid. You know, uh, liked it. Didn't maybe rented it once or twice again down the road. But it's not until as I got older that the Burbs became one of my your top, I would say top tier Tom Hanks movies in a sense, uh, in terms of like his movies. Now I, I do have a top 10, by the way, stick around for the end. I'll give you my favorite, favorite Tom Hanks performances at the end. Not at my favorite movies or best movies, but perf- his acting. Uh, we'll talk about that at mm-hmm. the end specifically, but the burbs definitely as I much like dragnet and honestly like splash, like at the older I get watching them as an adult, as opposed to watching these last three as a kid, totally different movies. I don't think any of them really, I mean, Splash does in terms of the fantastic and for the, oh, I'm, I'm a little kid. I get to see, you know, Daryl Hannah's butt and boobies. You know how little kids are. That's all I mean right. by that. But, um, ah, so I should start bringing attention to it and then I'll, it'll pass. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> I'm my own shot caller when it comes to saying, Ugh. okay, done with the, yeah. even though it's going to happen in the next 10 seconds. But anyway, 
these three films, as an adult, they're so different. They're, it's such a different experience because so much was just oblivious to me as a kid. The, the idea of creepy neighbors, that, I mean, you have that as a kid, but it's usually it's the creepy house on the street, which is in the birds. But I mean, the dialogue between the, them is more like, it's very adult. It's, it's not geared toward kids in that regard. Splash, you get the Fantastic Eleven of the Mermaid. Dragnet, they're cops. So it's not like a movie like Spaceballs to where as a kid, the movie's hilarious. As an adult, the movie is still hilarious, but more of the jokes are hilarious. There's so much more there. There's levels there. Much like a Pixar movie. When you watch these, all three of these are like Pixar, live action Tom Hanks Pixar movies that have the <laughs> Pixar Tom Hanks collaboration. Starring uh, Woody. <laughs> howdy ho. Wait, not howdy ho. That's, uh, <laughs> that was Jesse. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. Oh, I'm I don't know to, what his catchphrase was. Uh, there's a snake in uh, my boot. There's a snake in my boot. I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah. He said, so, howdy. It was, it was like, howdy ho, neighbor. It was, he had something. Howdy hi. Ah, oh my God. It's like so. It's howdy duty time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's one of those things that I've heard a million times, but I can't think of it when, it's, when, you're, trying to, when you're trying to think of it. But anyway, you get what I'm saying. You watch a Pixar right. movie. Like my daughter can watch a Pixar movie. And half the stuff is, she's four years old. But even if she was 14, a lot of that's going to go over her head. Some of the references, some of the jokes. You know, the first part of Up is boring to her (laughs) when that's the crux of the movie for the most part, you know, for adults. Uh, But same thing with with Splash, Dragnet, and The Burbs. As a kid, enjoyable, for sure, because Tom Hanks, oh, it's Tom Hanks, I love him, he's a great actor. As as in your feeble child's mind, oh, what a great actor, He, he has that appeal to him. But as an adult, especially these three, <laughs> dealing with love, a you know a by the book partner, aka society, wink wink, and then this one with you know na- just the uh, quirks that come with living in a neighborhood, which most adults know how that goes. Oh, that's oh don't bother, don't don't go over in their yard. They're gonna you know they get mad when we trick or treat or if the dog takes a crap in the yard or you know, all that kind of stuff. Everybody's familiar with that. As a kid, you might not have too much of that. But as an adult, you have a ton of it. You have to like, okay, yeah, I can relate to this more. So the older I get, the better all three of these movies become. And especially The Burbs. The Burbs is my favorite of the three overall in terms of just like, if I'm going to watch one of them, I'm going to watch The Burbs. Although I really did like Dragnet a lot, uh, revisiting that one. But I've seen The Burbs a lot. I've only seen Dragnet two or three times. So, but it's totally enjoyable. The cat, the cast is so much chemistry and they nail the, you know, that's the thing. Joe Dante well, I mean, he's the director, but you know, visually, just the direction of each of the characters and the actors and the performances each of the actors give, all top tier. Uh, the, the the comedy's there, but it, it's so it, the script really complements Dante's style of filmmaking. And I don't know if it's a chicken or the egg thing, or if maybe it was uh, you know Dana, the writer Dana Olson knew it was, he was writing this for Joe Dante and maybe played to some of his strengths, maybe, or if it's you know the credit goes to Dante for taking the bait the script and doing it with it. But I really think a lot of, most of the, the chart, the, I think the, the cult type status that comes with this movie, I think is a really, a lot of it is due to Joe Dante's direction because of the quirkiness of it. And that's the, I think the key word for this film is how quirky it is because all the, every, the characters are all just that they're every single person in this <laughs> One of my favorite shots of the movie where Corey Feldman opens the door and knocks the, the plate out of his hand. Uh, <laughs> watch it, we're watching the movie well, while we're talking about it. it. Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> but all the characters have some, you know, they're all a character. The only normal person in this movie is Carrie Fisher. 
everybody else <laughs> is a character. And that's a, that, that, that's, that's to Joe Dante's strength. When you look at, you know, uh, same thing with, um, excuse me, uh, you know, gremlins, all the, all the adults in that film, they are all characters. You know, there's the mean old woman. There's, you know, the portal of entry for Billy, the everyman. Even the dog's a character. And then you have you know, the, the girl next door, literally. Well, she's a few doors down, but the girl next door, you have Dick Miller in it and all that. You know, being the, the grizzled town veteran who's always complaining about everything. You know, so it's definitely a, a Dante-ism, so to speak, with this stuff. And it doesn't, it doesn't get out of hand, which is what I love about this film. It, the film is aware of what it is and, and, what, and, and what it's leading up to which you never even know for certain until the end as to what it's leading up to, because you're only going about what these eccentric characters are talking about and what they're inferring. Although when you see three people in hoods digging graves in the backyard, you kind of know something's going on <laughs> for sure. But uh, it really captures that kind of feel of suburbia, which uh, is a very real thing, to be honest. You know, I mean, I've lived in places where, you know, you're walking the dog and are you going for a walk? on the street at night or whatever, just, you know, looking at Christmas lights or Halloween decorations and you look over and you see the blinds quickly shut, you know, people are like, who's that walking, you know, all they were, there's always, you know, that's the thing. Whenever you put a large group of people together, <laughs> you know, there's always those, uh, oddballs, however you want to put it in every group. And that's not a bad thing. Not say that's a bad thing. It's in some regards it is depending on, uh, what we talked about off camera, off air, Jesse, right. <laughs> or right. a little in joke there. We won't get, we won't, sound that alarm till later maybe or maybe we'll just want this episode and see what happens but yeah the burbs still it's still great love this movie to death it's a fun one to watch at any time really uh and of course just you know every especially moving recently <laughs> several times uh waiting for this house to get built and all that you know it just kind of adds to the fun of it like oh yeah home ownership one of the unspoken fun things about owning a home is your neighbors mm-hmm. so because a lot of time you can't pick them especially in you know like a subdivision I mean, that's unfair. A lot of time you can, you know, because you, you can do that. But, you know, that's usually not a big thing that people worry about when they're buying houses. It's more like, oh, my God, this bathroom is amazing. Or look at look <laughs> at this, you know, oh, my God, they got a pool or whatever. <laughs> Every time I've ever moved, I've always said, I need to check with the neighbors before I do it. And I also need to hang out here at night before I move here. Mm. I've never See, done that. <laughs> the only thing that I've done, because, uh, I mean, I've only bought two houses in my life. And I'm not like a, some real estate tycoon but uh like for here because living in louisiana we drove by we drove through the neighborhood at night just to kind of see you know what it looked like hey just just to see i mean you see the view and how how many stars we could see and all that kind of things we're out in the desert basically and also when it rains because of louisiana (laughs) when it rains heavy we're we drove but we went out and drove by the houses to see to make sure there wasn't any you know Anything that might be of an alarm of alarm to somebody who is from Louisiana, if to put it to you that way. And there's not, thankfully, because this isn't Louisiana. It's the goddamn desert. But anyway, Burbs is great. Highly, highly recommended. If, and if, if you know, you already know, I'm preaching to the choir. But if you haven't seen it in a long time or never seen it and you like quirky comedies, this is up there. It's really good. It's really fun. It's a good time. And it's just and Tom Hanks, man of the man of the month. Is this is one of his? Uh, this is very typical Hanks because it's it's very it's along the lines of the Money Pit because you have I'm just trying to do something normal and I can't do something normal because everything around me is making me act manic and just hit my limit with everything. Uh, I look, watch this. Whoop! Again, we're watching the movies. 
<laughs> audio joke, bit of visual joke on audio podcast happens a lot around here. Welcome to the fold. But it's just, uh, yeah, Tom Hanks is great. And I mean, again, let's be honest. I mean, name a bad Tom Hanks performance. I can name one and it's Mazes and Monsters. And even then I can defend it because the movie itself is just terrible. So can you really hold that against him? Because if you take an like I talked about in that episode, but again, if you take into consideration what that movie was like, the point of that movie, he did a good job. The movie's just shit. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, like, like, is there Tom Hanks has been in movies that I will never watch again that are good. Uh, Sully, good movie. Clint Eastwood directed it. Tom Hanks starred in it. Fine movie. I don't ever need to watch it again. You know, uh, what else? Uh, Captain Phillips. Great movie. The end of that movie is like that. I love Captain Phillips because of his performance alone. It's a good, it's well done. Don't get me wrong. But him at the end is just amazing. Like his acting at the end of that movie is incredible. Uh, You know, man, one red shoe, only seen it once. Can't comment on that. (laughs) So, you know, but, but seriously, name a name, name. He's been in bad movies or, you know, movies that are not on the level of a saving private Ryan or Philadelphia or toy story. But when, when has he been bad? That's the question. You know, that's the hard part. Name a movie where he was bad in. Right. You know, so Rolling Stone says his movies, the terminal was their number 53. So, but if someone's been in 53 movies, they're probably pretty good at what they do. Yeah. And he's been in over like nearly a hundred. So that's not even, or his hundred credit over almost a hundred credits. Dragnet 47? No way. That's got to be way higher, man. But we'll get to his performances in just a little bit, specifically. But we'll keep that up to see what's what. Now, there's a lot of trivia on this. I'm going to try to condense it a little bit because it's, uh, it's a lot. But the film was actually shot in sequence, which, as you know, most people should know that films most of the time are not shot in sequence. But this was filmed during the writer's strike of 88, which we've brought up a couple of times that affected some other films in terms of the like speeding up the production and stuff like that. Uh, it was rushed rush into production to avoid the strike and photography began the same day as the strike went into effect, which was May 19th, daughter's birthday, uh, 1988. Although uh, not the year, obviously. <laughs> I didn't have a child at eight years old. <laughs> Although the writer did appear in the film, he was prohibited from contributing anything to the script while on set. So for that reason, there was Joe Dante encouraged a lot of improvisation on the set. In fact, uh, Tom Hanks throwing himself on the gurney and throwing it in the ambulance at the end. That's uh, completely improvised. Actually, I'll I'll give you a bad performance by him uh, because I just saw you scroll past it. uh, Polar Express. And that's mainly because the CG is too creepy (laughs) to where it's just like (laughs) it makes it too weird. That would that that would you know that Mazes and Monsters and Polar Express. I can say those two were my two least favorite off the top of my head because all aboard. I mean, he's like eight characters in it too. So, but uh, anyway, uh, they and they filmed this in case uh, we mentioned it last week, but they filmed this entirely on the back lot at Universal. So you see, uh, for example, Corey Feldman's house is the Munsters' house. Uh, uh, His uh, Tom Hanks's house was, I think, Connie's house from last episode. And Dragnet. But also, during the daytime scenes while they were filming, they had to frequently pretty much stop filming for the tour to come through the street <laughs> and then make the loop and then go away and then start filming again. So they, they, they had to stop, they, they didn't close the ride down for filming, which would seem to like make sense to me, or at least divert it from that area while they're filming. No, they stopped production of an eight, of a, what, a, what do we say, $11 million movie? 18 million dollar movie 
to allow the tram to go through from the people that at that time paid 50 bucks a ticket. So that doesn't seem right to me, but hey, whatever. Uh, how, could you imagine going through the back lot and like there's Tom Hanks <laughs> and Bruce Stern yeah. and Corey Feldman? So that what would they do been, there. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's it, that's the thing. Like, you know, it's called it's Universal Studios. They they are filming stuff there all the time. Uh, and Warner Brothers, all those studios, you know, that's the thing. Like, I've heard stories of people that are there going on the tour and they see, you know, The Rock or whoever, you know, because they're working on a scene there or picking up a pickup shot or something. So uh, everyone on the cast and crew had a good time working together so much that Tom Hanks personally bought everybody sunglasses. I'm assuming they're Ray-Bans and left a personal thank you note to everyone in the cast and crew. What a guy. Uh, also, mm. Hanks, along with Carrie Fisher and Joe Dante, they all, those three pitched in and they rented out the entire Raging Waters Amusement Park for everybody's family to come and enjoy the park for the rap party. So, hey, that's, that's all, you know, that's great. That's, mm. that's nice, thinking about your coworkers like that. Uh, Michael Jackson's famed chimpanzee Bubbles was actually a frequent guest on the set, <laughs> which is odd. Yeah, hey, yeah, Bubbles just wanted to come see the movie, guys. Uh, he was brought onto the set and taken care of by the animal wrangler that brought and handled the dogs on the set, which is, you know, that's just weird. <laughs> it's not, not, my, no, not Michael Jackson, but the chimp was on the set. That's just, I don't know. I had a, oh shit, where'd I put it? I thought I had it right by, there's another thing about a monkey on the set. I'll get to it. Just remember about the monkey. I, was, I thought I put it right by that in my notes, but it looks like I didn't. Oh wait, no, wait here. I'm sorry. It is. Uh, I just didn't read far enough. Uh, Nikki Cat, who played Stephen Kuntz in the movie, uh, the guy nice. with the skateboard, the mullet and the skull skate shirt, which Skull Skates is a skateboarding brand that was started by uh, the, uh, Rick DeComan art from the film. Him and his brother started that, that uh, skateboarding company, big in Can uh, Canada. So our good friend uh, up there, the vet, would know, might know about that if he was a skater dude back in the day. Uh, anyway, he had a pet monkey. He had a pet spider monkey that he brought that he mentioned to Corey Feldman that he had. Corey Feldman learned this and said, "Quote, oh my God, I love monkeys. I would love to have my own monkey. I want a monkey." So Cat said, "Dude, I'm I'm going to be honest with you. They're a pain in the ass." And to prove his point, he brought his spider monkey to the set and let Feldman keep it in his trailer during filming. And uh, Feldman came back to his trailer to find that the monkey had spread feces around the entire interior of his trailer and Joe Dante banned the monkey from the set. Not bubbles. Bubbles was apparently well-behaved, but, uh, <laughs> uh, Nikki cats, uh, spider monkey on the other hand was banned <laughs> from the set of this film. Yep. I've always uh, heard bad stories about monkeys. Yeah. Now there is now the garbage men scene in the film with Robert Picardo and Dick Miller, where they're arguing about the, where the garbage is public domain when it's on the curb and all this, uh, actually the garbage on the curb, is public. However, once it's in the truck, garbage is legally the property of the city. So there you go. If you have that argument, once it's in the truck, it's city property. There you go. Uh, and in 1989, this film received the worst reviews of any film released in 1989, according to many who worked on the film, including Joe Dante and the editor, Marshall Harvey. Uh, but it was a box office success and now a cult classic. So again, doesn't matter what the critics say. Go watch a movie. Doesn't matter what I say either. Go watch a movie and form your own opinion. That's the most important thing you can do. Uh, you might have noticed this when you're watching it, but when they go into Walter's house, played by the late Gail Gordon, uh, when they break in, quote unquote, break into his house, uh, there's a lot of pictures of him with Lucille Ball, and it's in the foreground in a lot of shots. That's because Walter, uh, uh, Gail Gordon, starred with on the Lucy show, Here's Lucy and Life with Lucy. He was a big collaborator with her. 
That's why you see all those pictures in there. They just thought to include it. And speaking of in-jokes, uh, in the basement of the Klopex house, there is a sled with the name Rosebud. And if you know what movie that's from, I shouldn't have to say it because most people should know that. But if you don't, Google it. That'll make those of from us who Simpsons. know that. What's that? It's from The Simpsons. <laughs> well, yes, you are correct. <laughs> but they got that from something else, too. <laughs> the original reference that they're making. I guess I should amend that because that's a very good point, Jesse. <laughs> Uh, and apparently, you know, Tom Hanks is, you know, he's America's dad, as he's been called, uh, which is funny because when he accepted the role, he was very adamant with Joe Dante that he, just, he didn't want his character to have a son in this film. And he wanted the part written out completely. He felt that he shouldn't be playing a Fred McMurray type character, but a more contemporary husband uh, to Carrie Fisher. But according to Dante, he was hesitant to do it because it was also his first time he was playing a dad. Which uh, mm. Hanks was concerned that this would kind of prevent him from returning to the types of roles on which he had built his career up to at that point. You know, the single kind of ladies man, honestly, at that point. But we all know after this, he did return to that several times before uh, kind of settling into, you know, the whole America's dad persona, so to speak. You know, he's really not a dad in that many movies that I can think of. Mm. Well, all the, the later stuff, yeah, you know, post... Uh, did he have a kid in Private Ryan? I mean, that's not even, they don't even talk about it. Yeah, I don't, you know, so yeah, that the was. kid did uh, not go to war with him. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't the one they were trying to say. It wasn't his kid. Take your kid to war day. <laughs> get down! Get down! Get down. <laughs> that's, that's, that seems like a far side cartoon where like it shows him like in the, uh, the Higgins boat and it's like, take your kid to work day. And it's little kids <laughs> oh, in the Higgins God. boat with this. <laughs> and it's like that time you know, the army it, tried to raise morale. <laughs> they never, the army never had to take your kid to work day again. <laughs> Gary Larson, love you. There's a far side cartoon for you. You can have it. You can have it. Yeah. That one's free because the far side's the second greatest or one of the two greatest comics ever. So Sunday, <laughs> you know, funny book, you know, not funny books, Sunday comics, newspaper comics. There you go. That's what I'm trying to say. There you go. Calvin and Hobbes and the far side, nothing better. At least. <laughs> In my opinion. <laughs> anyway, uh, it was originally slated to release in February, I'm sorry, Christmas 1988. But due to reshoots, it got pushed back all the way to February 89. And by that time, Mr. Hanks got his first Oscar nomination for, anybody remember? Big in 1980. That was his first nomination. He didn't get a win till Philadelphia mm. in 92. I think it was 92. Uh, and of course, we know that was followed up with Forrest Gump. Uh, and I He's nominated again a couple of times, I think. He's only won two, though, right? He hasn't won three, if I remember correctly. Or did he win three? Mm. I, think, I think he's still sitting at two, right? Uh, we'll look that up. But anyway, yeah, so by the time the movie came out, two. Tom Hanks, he won two? Correct? One, two. Okay, gotcha. So, uh, where was I going? Anyway. Six noms. Oh, let's see. He was nominated for what? See, let's see. Big was the first. Then he won back-to-back, -back, or in terms of roles, at least. Was it, yeah, 94 and 94. Yeah, two in a row. Yeah. With Philadelphia, then Forrest Gump, and then he was nominated for Private Ryan. Oh, yeah, because he lost, I remember that, he lost to uh, the Italian guy that stood on the seat, uh, Roberto Bellini, Benini, I can't remember his last name. Uh, and then mm. he was nominated for, like, oh, Castaway. Uh, I thought it said Cloud Atlas at first, but he cast away, and then oh, yeah. A Beautiful, beautiful day, in the day in the Neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely cast, I don't see, I don't, I don't think he should be nominated for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. He was good in it, but I mean, I didn't find it that. I thought it was yeah. better in uh, the, uh, where he played Walt Disney. I thought it was better in that than uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. But anyway, that again, just my opinion. I'm not a card-carrying member of the Academy. 
But uh, yeah, a lot of like the burbs, you could honestly say a lot of it was probably um, a lot of the, you know, the box office was probably for sure boosted because of Tom Hanks at that his Oscar nomination and big like that. I mean, once you get an Oscar nomination, I mean, your stock goes up as it did for Tom Hanks, because this is a turning point for him. If you really look at his career, he gets nominated in 88. uh, And then shortly after that, in what, 91, 92, you got Philadelphia. And then obviously Forrest Gump, his comedy output drops. It goes Mm -hmm. way, way down. (laughs) You know, in terms of the movies he was doing before, like there's no, I can't think I have to look at his filmography to like get, you know, to be hundred percent sure. But I mean, there's no more burbs type movies after that Oscar nomination. For the most part, that I can th- again that I can think of. Well, no, I th- no, no I, I take it back because looking at my top ten list of his performances, there is at least one more <laughs> or two more after uh, after um, shit after the movie with the Burbs, who we were talking about, right? Jesus. So there is a couple, but never. But I mean, up to this, he's kind of built his career on that. You know, you had uh, Turner and Hooch, the Burbs, Punchline. Uh, you know. Big has him as that same kind of character. You have the dramatic aspect to it. Dragnet, all the stuff we've been talking about. Money Pit, of course. Uh, and then Bachelor Party, you know, all the stuff they kind of built it, the, the persona he built his career on. It, it definitely is a transition at this point to where those movies, those types of movies are less favored for, in terms of his films, for dr- drama and war movies and biopics and Toy Story, of course. Uh, so which you know that's the one thing about Toy Story it does you know I love when Woody gets fed up is the best part of Toy Story because it's that manic when Tom Hanks starts screaming I love he has a great scream he's one of the best actors that can when screaming to me uh it is so relatable but anyway uh let's see uh the prop master Mark Jameson was charged with making fake dog poo because the actors complained that they didn't want to step in the real thing I don't blame them <laughs> if you said you know, that stuff doesn't come off your shoes for a long time, the smell's always there. So I don't blame them at all. I mean, that's and, it's, and it sounds to me like it's easier. But anyway, the the dog do on screen was actually a mixture of canned dog food and bean dip. So you never look at bean dip the same way again. <laughs> and they just loaded in the caulking tubes and squeezed it out where they needed it. So pretty easy. Uh, let me see. Uh, mentioned about the Munsters house. Uh, and it's the house where Tom Hanks was also leave it to Beaver House, which is like, again, also in Dragnet. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, oh, no. drink. <laughs> hey, that's, that's the first time you caught it, at least. So maybe it's, it's I think we, I, we exceeded first, my expectations. Oh, no. It's the first time I said it. Oh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, Joe Dante is uh, admitted in an interview in 2018 that it, he finds it remarkable how this film's become such a. Um, ah, see, now, now you brought it up again, Jesse. You just shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Uh, popular cult movie. Because at the time it was released, it was his quote, just another movie and got awful reviews. But it made a lot of money. It was popular. So the reviews didn't matter. Much like every Fast and the Furious films, because the reviews <laughs> don't matter. People just love them and they're the ones paying to go see it. So that's why they keep making them. Uh, but it's actually Dante says it's after Gremlins, it's probably the most pop- second most popular movie he's ever made. Uh, <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> Oops, I did it again. Again, okay. see what I did there? Yeah. Uh, Corey Feldman had been going through a lot of personal stuff during filming, 
And not to get too much into that, but I mean, you know, that's what I will always defend Corey Feldman when people make fun of him these days. Cause yeah, I, I understand, you know, it's an easy target. I understand that, but you know, the dude's been through some shit in his life and it's very unfair. I think to, to be a too, as critical as people are and as hurtful as people are to him. And that goes for anybody, honestly, but you know, you know, he had a lot of, he had drug issues. Uh, he had sexual abuse issues, you know, going to being a child actor in Hollywood. He was going through a lot of this time and he, He's, his own words, but he kind of was crashing and burning around this time. And it was actually Joe Dante and Wendy Shaw, who played uh, Bruce Dern's wife in the film, and Carrie Fisher, who really kind of consoled him and counseled him through his personal stuff while they were filming that really helped him out at that point in his life. So that's really awesome. Especially Carrie, you know, Carrie Fisher had her own demons as well uh, that she dealt with all of her life. And that's really, uh, really sweet, I think, or really something worth mentioning. They all kind of helped each other out for all the stuff they were going through. And lastly, Tom, uh, in the original script, Ray was intended to be killed in the end. But once they cast Tom Hanks, the studio was like, eh, the Jonah Hill meme, you know, like, eh, no, don't you can't you can't kill Tom Hanks at this point in his <laughs> career. So the ending had to be reworked. And uh, several alternate endings to the film were also shot where items other than bones were discovered in the trunk, including dead cheerleaders and the garbage men seem earlier in the film, which would have been really sad. Because <laughs> they were great characters. And the ending was a subject of debate before the writer's strike, and revisions were constantly requested to make Hanks, whose box office profile had increased because of Big, as, quote, dominant in the film as cinematically possible. And that's the studio talking. But I think they did, they accomplished that absolutely without uh, degrading the quality of the film or anything about it. So. Uh, they did a great, again, great job. And I just heard, I heard two of them right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just, once you start, you can't stop. Yeah. That, 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 that that's, that's a show. Every time somebody Pringles says speech, see that this should in, in, in the squid game uh, season two, that should be one of the games. When somebody says, uh, you know, gun comes out of the wall. Tah! Oh man. That Human it would be one episode. <laughs> It'd be one episode. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Score-wise, The Burbs, uh, it's definitely one of my favorite Tom Hanks movies for sure. It would be my top 10 favorite Tom Hanks movies. But score-wise, I give it an 8. I think it's great. I think it still holds up. It gets better with age. It's The older you are when you watch it, the better it is. Again, it's like, like Splash, like Dragnet, I enjoyed those as kids, but they weren't rewatchable to me as a kid. But now as an adult, they're all infinitely improved watching as an adult. So you haven't seen any of the, again, Maze of Monsters, I'm telling you, don't watch it. Don't don't watch that movie. It's not good. Just watch the highlights on YouTube and you're done. You will thank yep. me if you will absolutely thank me. Uh, but the Burbs, Dragnet, Splash, all three of the, these that we've covered last three weeks. Absolute bangers as you're uh, the older you get with them, for sure. Definitely aged well, I think, uh, to me personally. But without further ado, these I know have a top 10 list because everybody loves top 10 lists. But my mm -hmm. personal, Trey's choices for his favorite, my favorite, because I don't want like people who talk in third person, my 10 favorite Tom Hanks performances. Not the movies themselves, because that, be that would actually be a different list. These are the, his characters that I like the most, that are my favorite characters that he's done. That are people, characters in movies played by Tom Hanks. Uh, number 10, Forrest Gump. I think Forrest Gump. You know, it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. It's a, got a great soundtrack. It's well done. It's a great performance. 
I do feel that Forrest Gump is a bit of an overrated movie, personally. <laughs> Again, that's just me. I know that's a hot take. That's a hot take, but I'll take it. And you're going to listen to it. But uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's so yeah, Forrest, I'll, I'll get the elephant out of the room. Oh, Forrest Gump. A lot of people listening might say, oh, Forrest Gump's my favorite. Well, it's my, it's not my least favorite role of his. It's just not my favorite. He's great in it. Don't get me wrong. Won the Oscar for it. Uh, but in terms of his characters, Forrest Gump to me is not is one of his best, but not his best because I think his character in A League of Their Own is better than Forrest Gump. Uh, one of the that, in A League of Their Own was what ninety two, I believe. It's up on the screen. Yeah, ninety two. Uh, your number nine. Yeah, number nine is League of Their Own, and arguably probably his last real comedic kind of manic role before the the Tom Hanks we know today. Uh, right. You know so. Uh, but League of Their Own still, and, and that's a whole, that's a whole, ca- I mean, he, and he, him being the male lead with that female centric cast of fantastic actors and uh, actresses and everything together, like great chemistry, but his character in it is that classic Tom Hanks. And arguably it's the last time that we get to see it. That kind of level of Tom Hanks, at least I'll, again, off the top of my head without looking at every single film that he did up until then. Number eight, Road to Perdition. Uh, a darker side of Tom, if you will. Mm. Uh, if you haven't seen it, don't want to spoil too much about it. It's it definitely seems like one that it, those who've seen it enjoy it, but it's not one that a lot of people tend to bring up in talk of Tom Hanks's again per- specific performances or characters. Uh, number six, Woody himself, uh, the Toy Story series. Obviously, you know a lot of people. Oh, Buzz is so cool. I was always a Woody man. <laughs> Whatever that says about me. <laughs> always like the Woody over the buzz. Uh, actually, my favorite Toy Story characters are Woody, Slinky Dog, and the Hockey Puck. So what are you looking at, you Hockey Puck? That's still my favorite scene in the first Toy Story. <laughs> the Hockey Puck's just like, what? He doesn't say anything, but the animation is so good because it's Pixar. <laughs> He's just like, what? Uh, and then number top five, my five favorite Tom Hanks performances. Uh, number five, Greyhound. That's the most recent on the list. That movie, I didn't expect it to be good. I mean, I expected it to be, okay, I'm going to watch it. I didn't expect it to be riveting. Uh, I know we talked about it on the show before when it came out. Uh, the story they set up for his care, the, the, like, oh, I think it was Elizabeth Shue, I think his wife in it, in the beginning, because yeah. they filmed it in Baton Rouge. <laughs> you yeah. know, the book, the book end story of his character, I don't care about. That's not important. But him in command of that vessel, like, it inspires you. <laughs> like, he is inspiring as the captain in that movie. Like he is so good in that movie and Greyhound to me. Uh, it's not better than saving private Ryan. Cause private Ryan is a juggernaut of a film. Actually, I skipped one. I went from road perdition to toy story. Saving private Ryan is number seven. <laughs> uh, okay. Sorry. I totally skipped that one. I jumped. Uh, so uh, Forrest Gump, league of their own road to perdition, then saving private Ryan, which of course he's great in it. I mean, fantastic. That was his really big, you know, in Dragnet, he's a tough guy, but comedic. Private Ryan was, he's a tough guy, but heroic, noble. You know, he was a teacher. You know, fantastic in it. Honestly, he should have won the Oscar for that over Roberto Benigni to me. Uh, and then Toy Story and then Greyhound. I like Greyhound, his performance in Greyhound a bit better than Private Ryan because I guess expectations for the movie were so heavily just blown out of the water to be a pun for the movie. Cause it's a su- about submarines in world war two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is just so good in it. His, he inspired, like, and he doesn't say, and honestly, to be fair to private Ryan in that movie, he is inspiring. Cause he's leading these people and like, 
you know, they say like, what is this? What, what, what point does this make Lieutenant, you know, eight, six of us guys for one guy. He's like, that's the mission. Like you believe it. Like that's, that's Tom Hanks acting. That's the power of it. And in Greyhound, it's like, it, you feel, you feel that the tension is so palpable in Greyhound. And I think that's where I give it the edge is that through that tension and that like nervousness of what's going to happen, his, his leadership of that crew of that ship of the film is what keeps you engaged about a, a basically a movie. That's just a, a game of hide and seek. To be honest, if you want to break it down, it's a movie about hide and go seek in the ocean. And again, if you haven't seen it, it is amazing. It, it, I think it came out last year or year before last one yeah. of my favorite films of that year. And absolutely one of his best characters. Like it really, really can't stress enough how good Greyhound is. And I just feel like a lot of people haven't seen, like not enough people have seen it because it wasn't a theater film. It was Apple TV. Uh, moving on up top four, Turner and Hooch. Uh, I'm a dog guy. And whenever you get a pet, you go through exactly what he went through in that movie, and he's so relatable. The barking dog coming out screaming at night, shut up! Just shut up! Just be quiet, you damn dog! You know, the chewing on stuff. Maybe not the drooling as much, depending on the breed. But uh, Turner and Hooch was probably, along with the number one, my number one favorite Tom Hanks performance, were the two movies that made me just, and big too, to be honest with you, as a kid, just loved Tom Hanks. Like, where he was one of my favorite actors as a kid. One of those three big reasons is Turner and Hooch, 100%. And he does, you know, this plot line of, you know, oh, a comedian has to deal with an animal as a partner or whatever has been done to death. Even the great, and I say that with air quotes and very sarcastically, great Jim Belushi did it with K-9. Uh, mainly, actually, Jesse, do me a favor. See when K-9 mm-hmm. come out. I get, I'm, I'm going to place a bet right now. It came out after Turner and Hooch to be a cheap knockoff. Of Turner and Hooch. And Turner and Hooch was 88? 89. Oh, same year? We had dueling dog cop dog movies? (laughs) We might have to cover K-9 now just to... Actually, you know what? That's going to be a topic down the road. (laughs) We'll do K-9 one week and Turner and Hooch the next. Because we had, like, again, to my surprise, personally, as a host of the damn show, we never did Turner and Hooch. K-9 came out two months before, exactly. What? What? Oh my God! <laughs> they, but I mean, obviously, they they had they were in production at the same time. There's no denying that they didn't make Turner and Hooch in two months. It's, oh my God, Jim Belushi's doing this canine movie with a dog. We got to get three months. Who can we get? Uh, let me let me. I'll tell you right now, Turner and Hooch is infinitely better than canine. You know why? Because nobody fucking remembers canine except me, <laughs> which because I hate <laughs> I I do not hate Jim Belushi, but. He's a coattail rider because he's not funny. I've never liked Jim Belushi. I, I take it back. I liked him in Jingle All the Way. That's the, when I think of Jim Belushi, I'm trying to think of say, saying something good about him. I can think of Jingle All the Way. Who are you, the Question King? He's the, you know, the ringleader of the, uh, the, the Santas that steal the, the uh, crime ring of Santas is what I'm looking for, I guess. <laughs> oh, you know, uh, uh, okay. I'll, I'll, I, I can admit he was also funny as the monkey guy in the monkey suit originally in trading places. But again, he says like two lines in that and he's done. So <laughs> that's nothing to be that proud of. Uh, so yeah, not a fan of Jim Belushi, obviously, but uh, so turn and hooch number four. So top three. And as I mentioned last episode, his perform, his character in dragnet is one of my favorite Tom Hanks characters. Now 
good enough to be at my number three spot. His character, uh, Pep in Dragnet, absolutely just love that. Like I would, if if, if they do a dra- they should do a Dragnet sequel with just him, because that character being a you know the ladies' man, undercover cop, so very different to the degree that it's done in Dragnet for a, a Hanks character. You really don't see anything quite to that level of his character. It's it's kind of like a a stereotypical Tom Hanks 80s performance, but kicked up a notch. So that's why I like it so much. And he's great at him playing off of Dan Aykroyd's completely by the book character really accentuates that. But he's great in it. So my top two, my two favorite Tom Hanks performances of all time. Number two is The Lady Killers. Uh, this could be, this mm-hmm. honestly, I could put this at number one. But if you haven't seen the Coen Brothers remake of The Lady Killers, I think it was early, maybe mid-2000s, maybe, when it came out. Yep. It is one of the funniest movies that I don't think a lot of people have seen. The, the Obviously, I mean, it's a Coen Brothers film, so the direction is impeccable. The cast and the acting, the, 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 the characters in this movie are incredible. Every character in this film is so entertaining and so enjoyable. Even Marlon Wayans, who I'm not a big fan of, just because he always plays the same character in everything he's in, for the most part. I mean, which, which most can be, again, most comedians do that. Uh, but in this movie, if you have not seen The Lady Killers, highest possible recommendation. <laughs> this movie is so great. And Tom Hanks's character in it is so good. This is probably the last, like, I mean, in terms of like timeline, this is the most recent performance of his on this list after Greyhound. But this is for sure the most recent comedic performance that he did. Mm. And again, I cannot stress it. I don't want to even say anything about the film, but if you have not seen the lady killers with Tom Hanks, I'm telling you his character is so good in this movie and so great. You're going to love it. And my (laughs) personal favorite Tom Hanks performance is him in the money pit. Mm, It's just, that is, that is Hanks to 11. That's, I think it's his most manic performance. Because he starts off nice. Actually, no, he doesn't start off nice and calm. He starts off manic because the movie starts off with the villain from Die Hard kicking them out of his apartment. He's already, he's, Tom Hanks screams in this movie. He does his scream acting more than any other role of his, I think, in The Money Pit. But I love it. The Money Pit is probably my most watched Tom Hanks movie. If, if this was, this is the, in terms of favorite Tom Hanks movies, not just his performances, this would still probably be my number one or at least number two for sure. Uh, in terms of favorite, not best again, because right. there's everybody's you got to understand everybody. There's a difference between best and a difference between favorite. Cause one of my favorite movies ever is Van Damme street fighter, but it will never appear on a best list <laughs> except <laughs> Trey's, you know, top 10 Van Damme movies. It would be on there. But again, I understand that it's a bad movie. So you always got to remember that favorite and best. You gotta, you gotta have that differentiation. Because uh, I'm not saying the Money Pit is Tom Hanks' best performance. It's my favorite performance. I would watch the Money uh, Forrest Gump's what, like two and a half hours. I could watch mm-hmm. the Money Pit two and a half times, and I would rather watch <laughs> the Money Pit two and a half times than watch Forrest Gump. Not a knock against Forrest Gump. That's just more so saying how great the Money Pit is. <laughs> so it's still that is still to this day one of my favorite comedies. If I did a top ten list of the funniest movies ever made, the Money Pit would be on there. Hundred percent. There's still so many iconic, funny moments 
you know, that live rent free in my head from the money pit and Tom Hanks's character and him and Shelley Long, great chemistry. They go great together. Uh, so very well. There you go. There's my favorite Tom Hanks performances. Uh, Jesse, off the top of your head, what are some of your favorite performances of the Hanks man? Wow. I don't think you missed many. Cause yeah, it's hard to block out the movie. Um, that becomes of it. Yeah. You hit on the certain ones that I was thinking that you might not hit on like uh lady killers because of the movie. Yeah. Did you watch Finch? Not yet. Okay. It's, it, it's not a standout for Hank. Um, yeah. but I don't know. You mentioned Woody. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think you nailed it all because he's playing whenever he's in these serious roles, like, a like the bridge of spies and his Robert Langdon character, he's just, mm-hmm. I'm a dramatic man. <laughs> it's yes. Not that interesting. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it doesn't really stand out to me as much as the comedic roles. Even Although, I think Mr. White, that thing you do, he was, Oh Yeah. Yeah, that one was all right, but That's still not one. like a stand. It's like a number eleven, if yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. And we could have multiple number eleven, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I think you nailed it. I don't see anything crazy. I like your number one. Your number one stands out great. Even if we can't, if we even if we don't know Walter Felding or Fielding, you know. The performance, yeah. So I think uh, if you if you only see the money pit once, I, I guarantee you there's a part that you remember clear as day. Like it's, I think it's, uh, honest, I think it's iconic, honestly, as a mm. '80s film. To be perfectly honest with everybody, and in terms of a Tom Hanks fan, like it has. I mean, if it's not on your list, <laughs> to me, I think like, well, obviously, maybe you just don't like comedies. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Because <laughs> the thing about Tom Hanks, he's he he really is. He truly is. You know, people are like, oh, Gary Oldman's very versatile. Yes, he is, 100%. Oh, Johnny Depp's very versatile. Eh, he's got half the, he's, he's versatile. I wouldn't say he's very versatile. But Tom Hanks is absolutely, I think, one of the most versatile actors in Hollywood. He can do anything. But he just chooses to do <laughs> these days, more often than not, you know, the serious, serious stuff, which is a shame because his comedic chops are so good. He's so good at comedy. Uh, and I'm sure we'll see some more out of him eventually. I mean, he's still got a, plenty of time to make some more. Yeah. But uh, fantastic. And uh, again, thanks to our friend, the Canadian vet, uh, Ryan, right? <laughs> wink, wink. But uh, for reminding me about Thanksgiving, it's been so much fun talking about Tom Hanks and, and honestly having more Hanks representation on the podcast because we only had the money pit, which was shocking mm-hmm. to me. I, like That blew me away when I was like, I know we did Turner and Hooch. Like, nope, nope. We just talk about it every other episode. So you could even do another Thanksgiving and still have movies to go. Yep, there's still plenty on there from the '80s. But we, aside from Turner and Hooch, to be honest, in my opinion, we've covered his best. <laughs> we've covered the best of the '80s for him. So it might not be a monthly thing next year, but we'll definitely have a Hanks. You know, space it out now. We can't otherwise we're going to run out of them, and there will be no Thanksgiving anymore. So we caught, we made up for lost time this month, this year with Thanksgiving. So we still haven't done Big, haven't done uh, Turner and Hooch, Bachelor Party. There's still some good ones in there that we haven't done yet. Uh, Leave It On was 90, 
right? I think I, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So that's out of the uh, out of the equation. Actually, we, we've done even. Yep. Uh, Turner. So Turner Hooch is his last movie of the eighties. So, uh, yep. yep, that was the last one. And then what? Bonfire. I didn't remember he was in that. I just remember Melanie Griffith being a smoking hot cover. box in that movie. Was it? I thought it was, was it Jeremy Iron? Who was in that with him? Bruce uh, Willis. Bruce oh, Willis. wow. I swear to God, I mentally did not remember Tom Hanks being, I thought it was Jeremy Irons, Melanie Griffith, and I couldn't remember who the third person was. I was way off. Kim Cattrall. Ooh, Kim Cattrall was in that too. And oh, Morgan Freeman. He just misses his Morgan friend. Morgan Freeman. All right, but in the real world, again, this released February 17th, 1989 on Valentine's Day. What an appropriate date. Valentine's Day, the the day of love. Mm. On that same day, the Ayatollah Rudolla Khomeini, Supreme Leader of Iran, issues a fatwa calling for the death of Indian-born British author Salman Rushdie and his publishers for issuing the novel The Satanic Verses. So yeah, what in the spirit of Valentine's Day, uh, yeah, kill this dude for insulting our religion. That's what they did that day in 1989. Uh, and then uh, 10 days later, on February 24th, Iran put a $3 million bounty on Salman Rushdie's head for writing the Satanic Verses, which in a nutshell, there's a plane crash, two people fall out of the plane and survive. One of them grows angel wings, one of them grows devil horns. That's the setup for the f- novel. I've read half of it and then got distracted and never finished it. So I can't speak it to where it goes from there. Uh, but it was when it came out, it was a, when this happened in, in 1989, this was a huge deal. Like, I mean, it, you know, copies flew off the stands kind of thing, you know, so it was a very big deal. And in, in, in recent news this, earlier this year, Rushdie was attacked and stabbed and almost died. Uh, when somebody rushed the stage and attacked him. So, uh, you know, he was in hiding for a good long time. And we all mm-hmm. know, you know, if you watch the news, what's going on in Iran right now with, you know, women fighting for rights and all that. So, uh, it's a, you know, it's still, you still have stuff going on like that. And then our good friends in Qatar are saying, you know, a lot of stuff going on in the, in the Middle East right now in that region yeah. still to this day, unfortunately. Uh, and again, the movie came out the 17th of February, one day before Elizabeth Olsen was born. Graced us with her presence on this earth. Of course, Scarlet Witch. Uh, she was in something else recently. Uh, oh, uh, not recently, but uh, she was in. I saw the light playing opposite uh, Loki. <laughs> Tom Hilston. Tom, yeah. As, uh, as um, the wife of uh, Hank Williams. Uh, Hank Williams' wife. And uh, of course, recently we saw her in Doctor Strange. And uh, this year, Doctor Strange as Scarlet Witch again. And maybe we won't see her again. <laughs> Slight spoiler there. <laughs> Uh, Wind River. She was in Wind River too. That was a great film by uh, the same director as that did. Uh, I forget his name, but he's the guy that does Yellowstone and did Taylor Sheridan. Hell, uh, to, uh, Hell or High Water. Yeah, Taylor Sheridan. And then he did that film last year with Angelina Jolie, "Those Who Wish Me Dead," which ruined his streak, as far as I'm concerned, because <laughs> <laughs> Hell or High Water was fantastic. Uh, Wind River was fantastic in terms of directing. He also wrote Sicario 1 and 2. Sicario 2, eh, no. <laughs> the first Sicario was awesome. But yeah, directing-wise, he did uh, Hell or High Water, Wind River, and then Those Who Wish Me Dead. Wait, no, he didn't. Uh, wait, no, I'm sorry. He didn't. He wrote Hell or High Water. I'm sorry. Thank you for bringing that up, Jesse. I thought he directed it, too. My bad. Uh, but yeah, Those Who Wish Me Dead ended his streak for me. 
Even though I kind of take that all back because he didn't direct Hello High Water. He's still a good writer. <laughs> Yellowstone's a huge hit. But when I saw it, it was like, you know, those who wish me dead, Angelina Jolie and the writer of Hell or High Water and Wind River, like, oh, hell yeah, I'm there. You know, I'm, I'm there. Mm. Hmm. Nope, not as good as the previous ones I mentioned. But then uh, on Valentine's Day, the same day as the fatwa was issued against Salman Rushdie, there was a, one of the biggest deaths that the world should, that people probably forgot. Uh, but on February 14th, 1989, James Bond died. The American orthonologist, born in 1900, passed away. Uh, he, was an, he was an American orthonologist and bird expert of the, on birds, specifically of the Caribbean, having written the definitive book on the subject, Birds of the West Indies, first published in 1936. He was also the curator of the Academy of Natural Sciences in Philadelphia, which there's a movie called Philadelphia starring Tom Hanks, got him his first Oscar. Uh, his name was appropriated by writer Ian Fleming for his fictional British spy of the same name. The real Bond enjoyed knowing his name was being used this way and reference, references to him permeate the resulting media franchise. So the namesake of James Bond, James Bond himself, passed away in 1989 hmm. on Valentine's Day. So there's your uh, Jeopardy fact that I'm sure will come up on an ep- if you're ever on Jeopardy. <laughs> Not. Uh, back to the future this week. Jesse recorded two days ago. So, <laughs> have you seen anything since then? Uh, nothing new. We rewatched Fantastic Mr. Fox. Melissa had never seen it before, so Ooh, we're looking think? for something—an uh, autumn-themed movie. She thought it was very cute. Nice. <laughs> There's a board <laughs> Just game cute. called <laughs> Yeah. There's a board game called Everdell that takes place in the forest. You're a bunch of little forest creatures. So I was like, oh, it's like ah. Everdell come to life. Because, yeah, they had, you know, the badgers and all that stuff. The rat. prominent characters. The rat. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. They, they have mice and stuff like that. So, yeah, it really does look like that. But, yeah, it was, awesome. it was a good watch. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it as well. It's a great movie to watch this time of year. It's kind of a, it's got those fall colors. Yeah, and it really has Disney a Plus. sense of, like, oh, it is. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have it because I have a digital copy. One of the few movies that I have a digital copy of that I actually <laughs> redeemed. When I got the Blu-ray, so I don't have to bring the Blu-ray out again. Nice. Uh, but anyway, I did watch a movie, and we're not going to talk about it till next week. Because uh, we talked about it off camera. Uh, off camera. <laughs> off mic. Before we started be recording, camera. I should say. And that is Clerks Part 3. Uh, we'll talk about it next week, because I want Jesse to see it. And it will, we'll, next week, we'll talk about it and spoiler the hell out of it. Because mm-hmm. so I think it's worth talking it. about. But the bottom line is, if, you're, if you liked the first Clerks, or if you're a fan of Kevin Smith, obviously you've probably already seen it. But without spoiling anything, if you like the first one, this is this is to Top Gun what Maverick was to Clerks. Like it, it's a it's a great. Uh, I didn't like part, Clerks Part Two. It was it was fine. It doesn't compare to the original, in my opinion. The original one is sacred to me. It's one of those movies that when it came out, I was working like I had my first job. Even though like the characters are about five years older than me, I still related to them. Uh, this the, the drudgery of you know dealing with people mm-hmm. working in customer service all that fun stuff it was a film that I one of my most quoted movies of all time probably for me it's the one that when me and my brother would be playing computer games multiplayer we would have it on in the background just as back, one of those background movies all the time had it on VHS <laughs> and wore it out legitimately could say like 
the quality of the of, of my copy of Clerks was definitely degraded from watching it too much. So it's a very the first one's a very special movie to me in terms of my filmography of important films. I know some people hate it, some people like it. A lot of people hear miss on Kevin Smith, but if you're a fan of Clerks, Clerks Three is awesome. It was so so good. Really, really enjoyed it. And honestly, just didn't ex- I didn't expect anything to come close to the first one. To me, this one comes close to the first. One. Put it to you that way. Uh, and we'll talk about it. Spoiler filled next week. So if you want to see it, but I recommend seeing it before then for sure, because yeah. you don't want anything spoiled. Because it's it, there's some spoiler stuff in it that's that's really good that you'll appreciate. So uh, no emails this week. But if you want to email us, let us know your favorite. Let us know your favorite, your best Tom Hanks performance. What you think? 80s Revisited at gmail.com on Facebook, 80s Revisited Podcast on Instagram, 80s underscore revisited. Shout outs to our friends, uh, John and Lafayette with the Cajun Tour View, and of course, Doom Slayer. So we got that title match coming, I mean, uh, number one contender match coming up in TCW. Check out Tasmanian Championship Wrestling online, wherever fine wrestling is shown. Mm-hmm. And also our friends at Manscaped. How y'all doing? Use the code REVISITED at checkout to save 20%. And Honestly, just as important as 20% free shipping. Because let me tell you, Black Friday deals are going on right now the whole week. I mean, the, the digital stuff, it's not no longer just Cyber Monday or whatever. It's all, it's all the time. I mean, it's now. Things are happening now. And I'll tell you right now, all the, a lot of the savings that I'm getting, unless it's on Amazon <laughs> for the free shipping, I can just see when I see that shipping total pop up, I'm like, yeah, but you're not discounting. The, I think you're overcharging <laughs> me the shipping. <laughs> so shipping is a big deal these days. So free shipping on your Manscaped uh, performance package is absolutely worth it. And again, the, the products are great. Uh, I, can, I will never not die on the hill of defending the uh, Weed Whacker nose trimmer. It works fantastic. So again, code REVISITED at checkout, 20% off and free shipping. Leave a review if you'd like, good or bad. We don't care. We will talk about it on the podcast after the review comes on. If you want to hear what we have to say, what about what you have to say, but again, just remember, we'd appreciate it if you do leave a bad review or a good review. Tell us why. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. And again, if, well, not last week and a few other episodes notwithstanding, if political <laughs> tangents that are nine times out of ten fairly short in one sentence or one paragraph detract you from the enjoyment of an hour-long podcast, that's probably on you if one minute of it <laughs> isn't entertaining to you. Now, of course, last week's rant at the end. I understand that. If that was every week, and maybe it is every week, and I'm just oblivious to it, and or whatever. But yeah, you know, uh, let us know how we're doing, good or bad. Again, just please, you know, if you're going to leave a bad review, explain yourself. Like, tell us what's bad about it. And if it's just political, I mean, hey, look, you know, all the sides talk about tolerance, right? So why can't you be tolerant of a minute out of an hour and 15 minute podcast? So that's on you, dog. Just saying. <laughs> wink, wink. Being facetious. Anyway, next week, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do yet. I got to look at I got to look at the flash drive. I know we got Christmas coming up. We did Christmas a couple years ago and I think we covered most of the 80s Christmas movies mm-hmm. uh already on the cast. So I really don't think we're going to have a we might, maybe I can find a one movie to do for Christmas to fit it in there. But uh you know, let us know your requests. We you know, in the past we've done re- uh, listener request month as well. But last year we did what Babes in Toyland. <laughs> Uh, the oh, Santa Claus, yeah. I mean, not the Santa Claus, uh, Santa Claus, the movie. Uh, what else? I can't even remember the other ones, but I mean, we've covered the big ones already. Ernest Scrooge and uh, Die Hard, of course, Lethal Weapon. Uh, what else? I know, I know we're missing. It's going to be obscure if uh, we did anything. Yeah, I, I'll find I'll find at least one. We'll have something. Well, at least have one, uh, maybe one or two. I'll have to, I'll have to dig deep. 
uh, for the '80s Christmas movies that uh, are worth covering. Because <laughs> I mean, when you're when you're on Babes and to- Trading Places, we did that last year, uh, I believe. Uh, but when you're on Babes in Toyland as one of your Christmas movies, mm-hmm. I mean, you're scraping the bottom of the Christmas movie barrel. And honestly, historically, on this podcast, when we've done TV movies, except the Ewok Adventures, because those were TV movies, but Mazes and Monsters and Babes in Toyland, they aren't the best movies, <laughs> despite <laughs> what you thought of. Well, despite what I thought of Babes in Toyland as a child watching it, still a good kids movie. And honestly, it had its merits watching it again, seeing Keanu and Drew Barrymore and such. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, stay, stay tuned to Instagram and Facebook. Or if you want it to be a surprise, just wait till it pops up on your feed next week. So, But yeah, Thanksgiving was a blast. Thanks again to our Canadian vet for reminding me to do it this year. I would absolutely 100% would have forgotten about it until probably the end of the month and thrown a movie in there right at the last second. Uh, so eternally grateful, Dr. Ryan. and. You know, it's Thanksgiving, everybody. Be thankful. I uh, hope every, all of our listeners all around the world, despite where you may be, have a wonderful, whether or not you celebrate Thanksgiving. Uh, if you don't, I just, you know, just take the time to just be thankful for what you got. You know, be thankful for something uh, in this busy hoity-toity world uh, with all the bad news that typically pollutes our feeds and our minds and our, in the airwaves and all that. You, a lot of times we forget about the things. Uh, one, I'm thankful for a friend like Jesse, who, you know, we've uh, he used to have a podcast, a short-lived one, I guess, Jesse, <laughs> where you talk, you just interviewed, you had talks with your friends. Oh yeah, uh, it's still out there. Where we had a, you know, we had a great conversation, Thank you know, and <laughs> you know, me and Jesse, you know, me and Jesse started as acquaintances, and then you know, one thing, you know, we just kind of our our orbits rotated closer, and we became, you know, Jesse's one of my best friends. He's one of the only friends I still talk to regularly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mainly because of the podcast, but I mean, on, on other things, you know, too, uh, we have, we, I mean, this podcast right now is an hour and 18 minutes as, as far as the recording goes. I'm sure it's going to mm-hmm. be less on y'all's end when you're listening to it, but I mean, we talked for about double that already beforehand. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for having, uh, a friend like you, Jesse, in my life. So there's something I'm thankful for, and I'm sure other people are thankful for stuff. So and if you're thankful for somebody, here's a, t- here's a, here's a free tip. Tell them, tell them that you're thankful for them, even if it's not Thanksgiving, you know, let people know that you appreciate them because you never know what life has in store. And Mm. there's all the sappiness for the episode. So next week, something (laughs) I'll figure it out. I got to, I got to see what I got on, uh, on the queue, so to speak, uh, that everybody can watch. So happy Thanksgiving. If you celebrate Thanksgiving and if you don't, Hey, happy Thanksgiving anyway. Uh, and We'll see you next time. <laughs> right here. Until next time, I will remain. I was kind of, you know, it was that it was that petering out of thought. Was that's what that was? Like, do I got anything else to say? No, not really. Let me teeter off and then come back with the ex- extra. <laughs> next, till next time, everybody. I remain. Thankfully, I remain. Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga! Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>